Unsilencing Stories is a podcast that reflects the voices of people in small towns and communities in Canada who have lost loved ones to the toxic drug supply crisis. Since 2016, more than 30,000 people have died from fatal overdoses in Canada, and that number continues to climb. The risk in smaller towns and communities is much higher than in urban areas because of a lack of harm reduction services and stigma against substance use and people who use drugs. This podcast is part of a community-based participatory research project facilitated by Erin Goodman, PhD, a faculty member at Kwatlen Polytechnic University in Surrey, BC, along with students Jenna Keeble and Ashley Pokernich. The aim was to assist collaborators in publicly memorializing their loved ones and expressing grief, as well as challenging silences imposed by dominant media organizations and stigma from society against substance use and people who use drugs. We hope these nuanced stories make a clear why the government needs to be doing more to prevent further deaths. Please note, this podcast contains information about overdose death, grief, and trauma that may be distressing to listen to. In this episode, you'll hear Miles Toddington speak with Bo McDonald in Cranbrook, BC. Bo memorializes his best friend John, who experienced a fatal opioid overdose at age 22. These questions focus on remembering someone who experienced a fatal overdose. My name's Bo McDonald. I've, uh, I'm born and raised here here in Crownbrook. I've uh, lived out in Calgary for about a year. Other than that, I've, I've been a local boy. Yeah, see my own self, it was uh, it was my uh, best friend. He uh, was never a fentanyl user. His own self ended up getting a dirty batch of MDMA. And uh, I remember getting a phone call from my mom that morning about him being dead. Is there one person you would like to speak on who died from an overdose. Yeah, see, and mine, mine's always going to be my best friend. Me and him held each other down, vice versa. One of us get mad, the other one be calming the other one down. I miss him every day, but it's all about doing it right for, for them, right? John Johnstone was my best friend. He passed away. He was 22 when he died. He lived here in Cranbrook. He was a local grown boy as well. Could you describe a moment that you shared together with them? My best memory's got to be uh, me and my best friend and another close one of my fr- our friends. Um, we were all camping out Canada Day weekend. My truck actually got stolen uh, <laughs> that weekend, but uh, me and him took uh, my truck out for a burn, and I told him that uh, my tires were too bald to be uh, going down this little quad road. Sure enough, I popped a tire, I looked at him, and I told him that he was going to get me a tire the next morning, and he ended up stripping my lug nuts, and my truck got stolen. <laughs> what do you remember most about it? What I remember most about him dying is his funeral, and all these fake people who didn't really hang around with him, didn't really care about him, didn't nothing, weren't there for him through the hard times, sitting there crying in the front row, acting like they were his best friend. And I was the only one to go up, hug his dad, and tell him that uh, he might have lost his son, but he gained another one in the same breath. Me, it's like it was yesterday, me and Johnny, we would, we egged each other's addictions on, and we egged each other on in life. We challenged each other in life. (laughs) Fair enough. See my first real memory of Johnny when I was too small, and that's why I did what I did working for him. He was one of the only guys to stand up for me when I was too weak to stand up for my own self. So, so I had such a loyalty to him. What is your best memory of your friend? 
See, mine was probably growing up smoking pot in the TM jails around here and yeah. riding bikes. What's your most vivid memory of your friend? Because I can remember my best friend's laugh like it, like he's still here. He had the most dorky little laugh I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> it still gets me to this day. What has been the hardest thing about losing them? See, my biggest thing is I feel whole, man. Like, ever since Johnny's been gone, I, I don't have my best friend to talk to, man. And it's hard some days. What would you ask them if they were here today? Mine would be, why did you do the dirty batch? Because me and him talked that night, and uh, I told him not to. I just, I don't understand why. What do you miss most about them? He was there through relationships. He was there through me trying to kill myself. He he was always there. He, he made sure when I, you know, had nowhere to stay, I had somewhere to stay, and... I know today, still today, he'd, he'd be helping me out. You can ask anybody who knew Johnny. There's over 300 people at his fucking funeral, and it was it was heartwarming. But in the same same breath, for me, it was it made me sick. It made me sick because there was so many people who talked so much shit and so much trash about him, who showed up, who were butt crying and boohooing, and, and I I was so emotionless. I felt like a robot, man. Can you talk about the biggest obstacles they overcame in life? What happened there is he got busted with an ounce of weed in his fucking locker. And somehow, because John had a lawyer up his sleeve, he had this lawyer come and sit down at the school board. And uh, he got his grade 12 out of this whole whole scenario somehow. And wanting to get sober. He was on the waiting list to go to rehab when he died. That's a hard thing for me to swallow a lot of the time because... Man, if he, if he would have went and got sober, he'd probably still be here today. I, I do think so. What was your relationship like? He's on my arm, his ashes are in my tattoo. He'll forever live on in me. The way I remember him looking like his little white boy with his pants down to his knees, basically. And the biggest, curliest, whitest afro you've ever damn seen. It was something to see, that's for sure. What were their hopes and dreams for the future? See, John, John's biggest dream, he wanted to own his own business. He was an entrepreneur. He wanted to own his own business legally and live a clean life. A lot of people disagree on the whole fact that it wasn't a suicide with John. I knew that kid so well the day that his girlfriend hung herself. That was the day he died. And uh, he was never the same. He told, me, he told me every day that he wanted to be with her. And that's all he could say the day that he died. How are you different now that, than you were before you lost them? Yeah, we all have our shitty days, but it's all about, like I said, trying to do right by their memory. The most that I've probably changed is I've, I've stopped fighting as much. I used to fight five days a week solid for three years straight because that was my job and that's what I had to do. And John was too weak at that point in time, mentally and physically, to protect himself. And like I said, because of what he did for me when we were kids, I felt that obligation. What is the image that persists? The image for me that persists is John laughing out in the living room and, you know, telling everybody how to live their life and giving everybody advice on their life and how, how to fix their, their issues and problems. And then me and him... Going to the room and crying like a fucking bunch of little babies, man. Not knowing how to deal with our own things. 
Yeah, it's easy to give advice. Yeah, it's easy to give it, but to take it is a whole different story, is for sure. Do you have any traditions that you honor for them? We honor every year on his birthday. We go and shoot off fucking like seven, eight hundred dollars worth of fireworks. And this year, I really thought up until that uh, celebration of life that I, I'd let it go and that I was over it. But that's when I relapsed and realized that I wasn't okay and no. that I would probably never let it go. You'll never let it go. No, I know. I'll always be with you. No, I know. What are the hardest times? Well, for me, it's it's his death date and my birthday, especially or Mother's Day, because he used to go buy his mom his mom flowers every year. So I do know. How would you just describe the deceased? He had so much life left in him, you just couldn't see it anymore. You know, see my own self. I've only lost a select few of really close friends. In this last year, being homeless and living in the homeless shelter, I've lost a lot more. Yeah. What did you call them? Any nicknames or terms of endearment? Johnny. Everybody called him uh, Little John or fucking White Boy. White Boy Johnny. And then at the end of it, about a year before he passed away, and that's what's on my arm there, is uh, we started calling him Little Sav or Little Savage. Because he... He always had these savage jokes that nobody else would come out and say, but you were thinking it, but he'd say it all day long, man. So I started nicknaming him Little Sav. Did he or she have a pet name for you? My bro used to call me Bobo or Bobo the Clown because he knew it would get right under my skin. Piss you off. Oh, yeah, just to get me going. Is there any protection or lesson that you learned from the deceased? That would be a good one for me, but my biggest one is to live life at the fullest because actually one of John's, they played a video at his funeral of him huh, that I took of all of us partying and he he was all fucked up on the couch and he uh, looks into the camera and he says, if I pass, don't cry because I was here for a good time, not a long time. And it was fucking true. Um, how long did you know the deceased? Yeah, mine was probably about 15 to 17 years. What do you think they valued the most in life? Family. They had a good family. That would be John's too, and his friends. His friends, he'd give his frickin' shirt off his back, and he did more than once for me. Literally and figuratively. What words would you dis- use to describe his or her character? See, and John, John was a manipulated, he was a follower. And, yeah, and that was his biggest downfall, I think. He would do anything to make anybody happy, and for me, it was, I was the opposite, and I think that's a, a way I've really tried to change my life. And, you know, trying to honor his memory is try to help anybody who helped me. How did you meet? Yeah, so for me and John, I actually met John through his stepbrother who was in the same grade as me. Mikey always stuck up for me because I was, I was bullied through school. What particular time do you recall about them was especially joyful? Yeah, see John, he was always, always lit right up to go give his mom this big bouquet of flowers and box of chocolates, tell her that he loved her and give her a big hug because I always, I always wish that I could have been like that with my mom growing up. Me and my parents are doing better now, but 
Me and my parents never really seen eye to eye do a lot of things. What was the see the cease laugh like? See Johnny Johnny was as loud but it was it was so darky and he sounded like this little kid, you know what I mean? Like oh he just giggled. It was like a little little schoolgirl giggle almost, but it was my bro. <laughs> see and John chronically like his lifespan he uh I feel for myself that he went too early because I still need him to this day. And I think about him all the time, but for the big picture, I think he went in the right time. If it wasn't for him dying and uh, people looking at it like they did because me and John, we went the hardest or the hard. Seeing him pass for a lot of people, that got them sober. That's so in a, in a big picture, I think he went in the right time. For me and his dad, it wasn't the right time. His dad still needs him. Yeah, fuck, man. It's bringing a lot of feelings, but it's also in a lot of thing. In a lot of ways, it's helping helping me heal. I think, in a sense, um, being open about it. If you knew they could drop by and visit tomorrow, what would be your day to spend together look like? See, mine would probably be having both the dirt bikes that I have all done up. And that's the reason, a big reason why I haven't rebuilt both of them, because I've had them since he died. We were supposed to do that together. I've been talking about doing them with his dad, so hopefully that's that's a thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what I hope, anyways. Um, it'd either be fucking wrenching on the bikes, rebuilding them, or taking them for a fucking cruise, or just jumping in the truck and going, because he, he was one of the only motherfuckers who could sit in the front seat and laugh the whole time and say, I love the way you drive, motherfucker. His stepdaughter's name was Lily, so he had he had a Lily tattooed up his arm, and that, that's, that was his favorite. What type of music did the deceased listen to? My, me and my bro listened to rap. Where, where was a piece of clothing... Or something else the deceased wore that you found characteristic of them. My biggest one that I remember, John always had a do-rag in his pocket. He always had this black and white, can't remember the brand name right now, but I had the shirt, it's or the sweater itself, and had a cut down, down because it was a pullover. And he cut it because he had it from when we were like 13, 14. So he cut it just a little bit, and by the time I threw it out, it was cut halfway down my chest because I was so big compared to him. See, and now, now that I think about it, it was a Red Dragon logo uh, sweater that he wore. How did the deceased impact your life? John changed my life forever, and him dying changed it again. Yeah, that did. His brother, it's hard to even look at his brother. Yeah, they don't look similar, but they act so, so the same. And I, as much as selfish as it is, I'm glad his brother has moved on to bigger and better pastures. Because yeah. I don't have to feel that hurt every time I see him driving through the McDonald's drive through Because half the time I had his brother sitting beside me. Or, like, actually going and grabbing my truck there the other day. I was thinking about it on the drive home. About how he'd be sitting in the front seat with me. How excited he would have been for me to have the truck that I just went and bought. And how much fun we would have had in it. How will you honor the deceased memory? See, and I honor Johnny every day by, like I said, helping out anybody who hasn't done wrong by me. 
And uh, the last question here, Miles, and it's going to be a harder one for the both of us, but uh, what would you wish that you said to them before they died? Love you, buddy. And that's literally all I could think when uh, I read that question a minute ago. It's I love you, and I'll hold it down. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Unsilencing Stories podcast. To listen to more interviews in the series, please go to www.unsilencingstories.com. And if you'd like to share your thoughts on the episode, message us at unsilencingstories at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and please share the project of other people you know.